You're listening to E-Commerce Marketing School presented by Privy. And a big thank you to our co-sponsors of the show, Suna and Hashtag Paid. You know what the biggest problem is with influencer marketing? Finding creators. You gotta search and scroll through thousands of them before you find them that makes sense. Not anymore. Hashtag Paid is the first matchmaking tool for brands and creators. All you gotta do is build your campaign and Hashtag Paid is gonna pair you with 10 creators who show interest in your brand. They'll even send you mini pitches to help you pick your final roster. From there, you just hit the launch button. See which content creators are waiting to connect with you. Sign up at the link in the show notes. Welcome back, everyone. Thanks for uh, listening in on my marketing team who took over for me while I'm out. I'm feeling refreshed after a little bit of a break. We were down on uh, the beach at a little Airbnb with my kids. It was awesome. And hopping back in today with a theme near and dear to my heart, I'm here with Alan Burt. He's the MD, Managing Director over at Blue Stout. They're a really, really top, well-known agency focused on CRO. So we'll hear about that in a sec. Alan's a partner of ours and his take on the top five CRO changes that will work on every site is something I'm super excited to hear. So Alan, thanks for coming on today. Of course. Glad to be here. This is going to be fun. Yeah. So let's start with you. It's your first time on the show. Give us a little bit of an overview about what you've been up to and Blue Stout specifically. Yeah. So Blue Stout specifically, we're a, you know, if you kind of look on the inside, we look very much like a design and dev firm. We're a, you know, Shopify plus partner, but our specific expertise is working with brands to help them sell more to their current audience, current traffic, current customers. And we do that specifically with a focus on CRO. And so when we say CRO, CRO is sort of the general term, right? Conversion rate optimization. The way that we think about it and look at it is really about revenue optimization. So conversion rates are great. We can increase conversion rates. We're going to increase conversion rates, but only if we can we can do so while increasing revenue at the same time. So we do that through a combination of uh, multivariant A-B testing as well as design and development. Awesome. And you know, just for fun, any any brands you're able to share that that you worked with either now or in the past? Yeah, so we've worked with Shopify, Shopify Plus. So most of the brands we work with are, are Shopify brands or Shopify Plus brands. But, you know, we've worked with startups ranging from you know like Gather and Taft all the way up to you know large, large organizations like Swim Outlet and the American Cancer Association. So we've got a, a pretty broad range of brands we've worked with, everywhere from about a million in revenue all the way up to a hundred million plus. Wow, nice, nice diversity and. I think the focus on CRO is something that, at least from my perspective, set you apart over the years. So on that vein, I want to just hop into a few things. So we were chatting, you've got five CRO tactics. I want to get into that and make sure everyone can walk away with actionable stuff. But maybe before we do, let's talk about what CRO means and your opinion on the strategy behind it. Yeah, and it's it's one of those terms that gets tossed around a ton. And I think most folks don't really think about what it means, but it's the industry term. So we use it and we, you know, it's the term we always sort of introduce ourselves through. But and, and what it stands for is, you know, conversion rate optimization. At the end of the day, though, what we really care about is revenue optimization. And so the metrics that we really care about when we look at revenue optimization are traffic, obviously, right? Traffic sources. We don't run traffic. We're not an ads firm or, or a social media marketing company. So what we care about is once that traffic starts to hit the site, how can you drive more revenue on average per user or per session, those users coming to the site? So we focus specifically on conversion rate. So actually, how do you optimize the conversion rate? So the rate at which somebody's buying, how do you optimize AOV? So the average order value that's happening when somebody places an order. And then also we focus on things like recurring and repeat purchase rates. So 
the end of the day, as a merchant, what you really care about is increasing the customer lifetime value, right? And so there's a number of metrics you can tweak and test to improve that. But the, the very sort of tip of the spear typically is conversions. So we'll start with conversions and then we'll focus on AOV optimization. And then from there, we'll focus on recurring or repeat purchase optimization. And the metrics that we track are customer lifetime value and revenue per session are the big things that we look for. So that's our approach. Yeah, I'm glad you brought up metrics because I think that's really interesting and something that can anchor everyone who's listening. So revenue per session is not something that you hear a ton. Uh, obviously, I understand what that is, but how do you calculate that for someone listening? Is it just how much revenue did I do this month divided by the total number of sessions on my site this month? Yep, it's that easy, right? The reason we care about it specifically is, A, it's it's actually very easy to track, right? In just a simple Google Analytics setup, you can look at your revenue per user or revenue per session. There's, you know, it can be broken down in either way. And really, it's the guiding sort of principle when you are making changes or making, you know, site optimizations or running tests. You now, as you know, an example, we'll talk about this when we get to the five takeaways here in a second. But you, know, you can run a test that may improve conversion rate, but maybe it, imp- it improves conversion rate for a lower price point product and ultimately decreases overall revenue. And so what we want to be doing is making sure we're not just focused on conversion, but we're actually focused on increasing revenue on average per user that's coming to the site. Yeah. And I think our audience probably logs into Shopify daily, if not every other day, and and they've seen the conversion rate metric. This may be people's first time calculating revenue per session. Every store is different. AOVs are different. But is there like a number there that's healthy? Honestly, it's a great question. And it kind of goes to the same question we hear all the time, which is, you know, is my conversion rate good, right? Or is my revenue per session good? At the end of the day, it really depends on your business, right? It depends on what you can scale profitably. So the lens we're always looking at this through is somebody asks, you know, is my conversion rate good? Is our revenue per session good? The question we always ask immediately back is, can you scale profitably with where you're at, right? If you, for another dollar in marketing spend, is it going to be profitable or is it not going to be profitable? And that's that question, that hurdle question to say, well, look, we're not willing to invest any more into marketing or every dollar we put into you know, advertising or media buying is resulting in a loss in profit. Then you can say, okay, well, then for you, for your audience, for your ad spend, no, your conversion rate is not high enough. No, your revenue per session is not high enough because you're not able to scale you know, with that number. So every business is a little bit different. We've seen massive revenue per sessions. We've seen incredibly small revenue per session. Same thing with conversion rates. We have brands that have scaled you know, well, well, well into the eight figures that have you know, less than 1% conversion rate. And we have brands that are under eight figures that are you know, at 5% conversion rate. And it completely depends on your audience and your market. Yeah. So maybe another way to reframe it is like, if this is your first time calculating revenue per session, it almost doesn't matter what it is because you already know the health of your business, right? So it's like, exactly. this is a starting point. And ideally, this is just a way to reframe like where your business is working well in terms of traffic and conversion so that ideally you can improve it from where it is today, right? Yep. That's exactly right. And the other piece too, is that when you start to dig into analytics, and this is something that we do a lot with brands, and this is, you know, you mentioned sort of logging into just the Shopify, you know, analytics, and this is, we see a lot of brands get in trouble here where they do. And those are very, very high level analytics, love Shopify, but they do not do a good job of really slicing that data down into something that's going to be, 
immediately actionable for brands. And so to really understand this, you kind of have to get in the weeds within analytics and Google Analytics to truly understand what part of your site is performing, which part of your site is not performing. This is what we do with all the brands you work with right at the very beginning. But the point is that revenue procession can also be a great number to determine what areas of the site are working really well and what areas of the site are not working really well. So if you see, for example, traffic that's coming from you know, an influencer campaign or Instagram ads that's landing on a product page that's resulting in a revenue procession of $5, but you see that same traffic that lands on a collections page is resulting in $7 as a revenue procession, it's very clear that you should be driving more of that traffic into collections pages even if maybe the conversion rate is lower on a collections page. And so we see a lot of ads firms and brands that will make decisions based on how certain pages convert without actually tracking down the revenue per user on the back end of that. Great nudge there. So, I mean, I've been looking forward to this. Let's jump right in. Maybe you can just walk us through. It sounds like these are like your top five tips for people new to CRO. Yeah. So I'll I'll kind of walk through these and Again, this so the caveat I always give is that we test, right? We test everything. And so the recommendations we have today are, you know, we've and we've run you know, hundreds of tests across, you know, dozens and dozens of brands, right? So we've got this database of tests that we have seen work consistently over and over and over again. And so the ones I'm listing here are, are just a few examples of the ones that we would say are we call like a 95% confidence. So these are these are tests that in 95% of cases have resulted in an uplift in either conversions or revenue per session. And they're things that, at least for most of these, are, are relatively straightforward. So I think they're things that almost anybody who's listening to this should at least think through, and if not, just make a change, but actually test on, on their own sites. So that's sort of the background on, on the suggestions we're going to make today. Awesome. So do you want to go and dive in? Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. Run through. Cool. So the first one is really, really very straightforward change. Most brands that we work with will be having, or you know, just most brands in general, you'll see some sort of like a notification bar on the top of the screen. So if you're you know watching the video, and I'm kind of highlighting kind of what this very thin, narrow banner bar would be at the top of like a homepage or a product page. Most brands have it on all pages of their site. Most themes, if you're buying a you know out of the box Shopify theme, has this. And we'll see that most brands will use that banner, that little tiny little banner that appears at the very top of the screen with one universal message that'll appear across all pages. And so a very, very easy optimization uh, that we've seen work incredibly well is actually just frankly changing that messaging on a per page basis. So the message you are showing on a homepage should be very different than the message that you're actually showing on like a product page, as an example. A good example of an optimization we made for one of our brands uh, that's in the, the home goods space is we changed that top banner message on the homepage to be what we'd call like a brand level statement. So something that speaks to the value proposition or the benefits or really that hook that sells that brand as an introduction to the brand. And then on a page like a product page, we'd actually change that message to be much more transactional and something that focuses on, for example, free shipping thresholds. So if you have a 50, 60, $75, whatever it is, free shipping threshold, that's where you would list that would be further down the purchase funnel on a product page, while that main banner on the homepage would be mainly focused on a brand value statement. So that's a a very easy, easy change that most brands should be optimizing that messaging on a per product basis or a per page basis, I should say. I like that. The second one, and this is one that, again, is also a very straightforward change. And this is something that it could be, you know, this would literally take five minutes um, if you have your, your theme in, in Shopify set up correctly. A lot of brands that we work with will have some form of a shoppable UGC section on, for example, like their homepage. So maybe that's a shoppable Instagram feed, uh, et cetera. You know, there's a number of apps out there that run this, you know, 460, Yapo, et cetera. And moving that, and this is very recently, we've seen this change really just over the last sort of 12 months, 
most brands typically put that at the very bottom of their homepage. It's almost like the last thing that somebody will see if they're scrolling through a homepage. Simply just by moving that further up the homepage, we've seen pretty significant returns on increasing uh, conversion rate of folks landing on that homepage as a first step of their site experience. And so that's a really easy one, especially if you have that set up in something like Shopify sections, simply just moving that higher up the page, testing that to see if just moving that Shopify UGC feed up there is going to improve conversions. 95% of the time over the last 12 months, we've seen that improve conversion rates. That's a huge shift. It is. From, you think about like websites over the last 10 years, I always see that at the way, way bottom, but it makes sense to me, you know, like customers, consumers, we are engaging with more UGC and TikTok style stuff. So seeing that early in the process makes it perhaps more relatable than just like amazing product photography. That's exactly it. You know, we're social creatures. So there's two components to it. One is it's that visualization of actually visualizing and seeing somebody live in this version of life that you want to live in this product or with this product, right? So there's a much more sort of primal connection that, that occurs with that UGC. And also it's a form of social proof. And so if you've done a really good job of introducing first-time visitors to your brand on your homepage, you've stated value propositions, you sort of made your pitch, you've introduced them to product or collections, showing that UGC is a form of social proof that helps to then validate to that consumer who's already now made this emotional connection with what you want, with what you sell, right? They're connected to it. They're hooked into it. They like it. Now they see this social feed that's essentially validating this internal emotional connection they have. That is then sort of moving them towards towards purchase. Awesome. Love it. Yeah. Take us to number three. And then number three, most brands at least, right, are very good about including things like review stars on their product pages, right? So reviews on a product page, typically further down the page, but including the actual review stars and number of reviews higher up in what we would call the buy box. So there's a section where the add to cart button is, where you're selecting variants and options. Uh, you know, we call that the buy box. What we've seen improve beyond just showing review stars is actually pulling out a very specific testimonial or a very specific quote that speaks to the value proposition of the product. It can't be random. It can't just be a random testimonial. You want it to be a testimonial from an actual customer that actually speaks to the primary selling benefit of that product, so why people buy. But moving a testimonial up into that buy box section. So this does require a little more design work to make this look and, and function uh, really well, especially on mobile. But by moving a, a testimonial into that buy box, we've seen that, you know, again, 95% of the time, improve conversion rates on product pages. And just to visualize that, that could be a video or is it like a picture of a customer with a quote? So for us, it's been text. And so doing a text testimonial, right? And it doesn't have to be the full testimonial. It could be, you know, in a sort of abbreviated version or truncated version of that testimonial. We've done, you know, again, we're a design firm, so we've done various different styles of design around this. Something we've seen very successful is we might have, for example, a scrollable catalog set of imagery in the left, buy box in the right, and we would then put that testimonial below the first main image. And then as you'd scroll through that imagery, you'd see the rest of the images, but the testimonials there. Nice. We've also done where we've put it directly below the add to cart section. So there's various different styling ways you can do it, but finding a really simple, non-cluttered way of incorporating a very simple line of text that's a testimonial from a customer into the buy box area, we've seen improved conversions well. Awesome. Love that one. Really shows the power of social proof. Again, it comes back to social proof, specifically if it speaks to, and I say it's, if it speaks to a benefit of the product, the other thing we've seen work really well is if it, if it helps address a major concern. 
So if there's, and it kind of depends on the product a little bit, right? But if it's a, you know, so for example, like with fashion, you know, speaking to sort of the benefits or something along those lines, things like, you know, supplements or consumable products where maybe there's a concern from a customer who's never taken that product before or ever consumed that product before, somebody that actually speaks to the concern and then validates the product in line with that concern, that works really well as well. So that was number three. Okay, so number, let's talk about number four. This is one where we would still probably recommend testing this, but again, we see this work almost every single time. Most brands are very good about incorporating kind of social proof press logos on their homepages, right? So you'll, you know, you scroll down the page and you'll see just like a line of press logos of everywhere they've been, they've been mentioned. What we've seen work really well as opposed to listing a full just box of press logos, specifically find the logo or the outlet that speaks to your audience more specifically and or aligns with your product more specifically, right? Like, so for example, some people might be in Forbes, they might be in Outside Magazine, they might be in HuffPost, right? They might be in all these various different outlets, but maybe they actually sell outdoor apparel, right? And so Outside Magazine would speak very, you know, much, much more closely to, to their audience. It, they would be a social proof, you know, indicator that would ha- hold a lot more um, sort of weight to their audience. But sort of picking a very specific press outlet and then actually pulling a testimonial or quote from that release that also speaks to the benefit of the product or speaks to uh, sort of answering your concern that a customer might have. So it's the same concept as what we're talking about doing on the product page buy box, but it's doing it earlier in the customer journey on the home homepage and it's doing it on the homepage. Yeah. And it's going deeper rather than just listing yep. a bunch of logos that could be BS. It's actually showcasing exactly the most powerful component of that. I like that one a lot. Showcase the most powerful component and people scroll and they read as they scroll. And as you scroll through your homepage, you need to be telling a story. So we're hooking them at the top and then moving them through that story and highlighting a testimonial or I should say a press quote that speaks to one of the benefits of the products or addresses one of the concerns is part of that story of scrolling. And we found that to be incredibly effective. Awesome. So what's number five? So five is... Save the best for last. Save the best for last. This is one that it's not actually necessarily a conversion trick. This is actually more of a focus on revenue per session. This is something where this could actually decrease your conversion, but it always increases revenue per session, which is ultimately what we care about. And so this is merchandising products on the homepage. And what I mean by this is that most brands, and this is, you know, we work with a lot of eight-figure brands that choose this randomly, how they list their products on their homepage or how they list their collections on the homepage. And what you should be doing instead is actually digging into your data and seeing on average, which pages or which products or which collections actually produce a higher revenue per user or revenue per session. So that's the first step of this. Go in and let's say traffic that comes into your homepage or traffic that's that's coming in through your main homepage navigation. And you're seeing, for example, product pages in this collection or they, you drive them directly to your product page, it's $5 per session. If you drive them to a collection page, it's $7 per session. You should use that metric to then determine how to place either collections or products on your homepage. So a great example of this is one of our home goods brands. They had listed their bestseller products at the top of the page. So come to the homepage and you've got the main sort of banner and a call, you know, sort of introduction to the brand. And then that first main section of the homepage below that was focused on bestseller products. And then they would start to introduce their larger collections further down the page. And that's a very normal layout. And a lot of brands, you know, follow that approach. But by looking at their numbers and their analytics, it was very clear that customers that went to collections on average actually had a higher revenue per session. They actually had a lower conversion rate, but it had a higher revenue per session. And so for them, what we did is we just shifted introducing collections higher up on the homepage, introducing bestsellers further down on the homepage. And that 
ultimately resulted in an increasing in uh, an average revenue per session across the whole store. Love it. I'm like jotting down notes over here. Yeah, that's a good one. Everybody should be doing that. That's fantastic. So just to recap, I feel like a lot of gold here. So thank you. This has been amazing, Alan. First is custom promo banners per per page or per template or where they are in the funnel. Per template. Yeah. Uh, Shoppable UGC, moving that higher in the feed on the homepage, maybe above the fold as opposed to the bottom of the site. User testimonials in the buy box, which I love, not just showing how many reviews it has or stars. And then diving deeper into the press, maybe choosing one or two, highlighting a quote from it that focuses on the, the USP unique selling prop, and then merchandising based on the data, which I assume that data you're finding you can't find that in Shopify, but you would find that sort of yeah, thing. Yeah, I mean, you might, you probably could if you dug it and ran some math, you yeah. could do it, but it's hard. The best place to do it is through Google Analytics. Google Analytics. Awesome. Well, Alan, this is amazing. Check out Blue Stout. They're a great firm focused on CRO, design and dev. We'll link to them in the show notes. So check them out. And Alan, awesome having you on. Really a lot of gold uh, for the listeners yeah. today. This is great. And if this was good, you know, you guys enjoyed this. We've got an awesome newsletter we produce every week that is essentially one zero tip every week. So we take same vein as this and we send one email out to our list with an, ex- you know, an exact zero tip that we've seen work across our brands. So if you have any interest in that, you can just go to bluestout.com slash newsletter and we send that out every Wednesday. Love it. Awesome. Well, thanks for coming on, Alan. This is great. Cool.